Seed to Sound, presented by Banks, a podcast for cannabis professionals. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Seed to Sound. We're back today with another Infosode. Today, we chat with retired law enforcement officer Doug Lambert of Gauntlet Background Investigations. Okay, welcome back to the Seed to Sound podcast. My name is McLean Sale, your friendly neighborhood vangster. And today, our special guest is Doug Lambert of Gauntlet Background Investigations. Thanks for being with us today, Doug. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. So we wanted to feature a less usual perspective today. Um, You have a background in law enforcement. I do. Could you tell us a little bit about your job and maybe describe a a day in the life working for an investigative firm? Um, Sure, you bet. Uh, I'd be happy to. Um, I own my own business. It's Gauntlet Gauntlet Background Investigations, like you said. Um, It's also known as GBI Screening. Uh, The bulk of my work is pre-screening for uh, employers and property managers who want to uh, check their tenants, and also nonprofit organizations who want to check their uh, volunteers, make sure they're uh, up to speed when they're dealing with uh, the elderly and or children. Um, I did get my background, like you said, in law enforcement. I was an ATF agent for 23 years. Wow. What uh, that, um, you know, we don't have time to cover as much as I would probably like to ask you today, but uh, can you tell us about what in your career caused you to either retire or jump ship and, and, you know, get into the background screening services industry and then also branch out into cannabis? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and it's a great question as I walk through your workspace here. It's, uh, it's the entrepreneurial spirit uh, that kind of caused me to, to uh, go ahead and retire when I could, was eligible. Um, I could have stayed on until age 57, so I decided not to and opened my own business. And uh, I just really appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit and um, creating something, creating something new, uh, creating a business, um, being able to branch out and, and use my own ideas to, to uh, make something grow and, and, and prosper. That's fantastic. Um, when did you actually make that transition, if you don't mind me asking? I made it at the end of... Um, I would say, I'm sorry, the beginning of 2015. 2015? Yes, sir. Excellent. So you've seen a lot of changes in the legislative environment. What was the biggest wake-up call for you during your law enforcement career that, that made you think, you know, maybe maybe some of this is barking up the wrong tree as far as cannabis is concerned? And I don't know if you had that aha moment, but you're one of the few people in uniform we've had the luxury to speak with. So anything you want to share on that would be fascinating. Right, right. Um in regards to cannabis, uh, I would say a small percentage of what I did related directly to cannabis at the federal level. Okay. At the federal level, you know, you're usually going after um, the bigger fish, so to, so to speak. Okay. Um, cannabis usually does not correlate directly to that um, uh, in regards to the, the people we're trying to uh, enact, you know, enforce federal laws on. Okay. The big fish you're trying to catch. Correct. Okay. Well, so let me ask you this then. Um, You know, obviously in the ATF, cannabis is not not a big priority, uh, but were there law enforcement or sort of federal service myths that you found were prevalent in the official narrative around cannabis? I I think so. You know, I I think just the the drug overtone and and you and when you bunch cannabis into that 
um, can get a negative stigma because it kind of gets a bad reputation that's associated with some of the harder drugs that create um, some some really you know difficult criminal tendencies. Fair enough. It's legal now, and uh, there's there's uh, money to be made. And here so, we go. And here we go. So, Doug, what was it that really sparked that change for you? That change in mindset towards cannabis and cannabis consumers? Um, it being legal. I mean, quite honestly, hmm. um, you know, it's 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 legal. It's here to stay. The people that are going to run this industry in a responsible way, um, let's be a part of it and let's do it right instead of, uh, you know, uh, ways that'll that'll give it a bad name. How has drug testing evolved to meet the needs of the cannabis industry? That's something that. Um, when we knew we were going to have you as a guest, I definitely wanted to ask about this because in my employment history, you know, uh, especially as a former active duty service member, cannabis screening is, you know, that's that's the first thing that that is checked mm-hmm. and, you know, other harder drugs, too. But, um, you know, when you live in a state like Colorado where there's easy access, I know a lot of people um, listening to the podcast may have. Uh, applied for jobs and maybe wondered, you know, if they were going to test clean or not. Um, if you can share any perspective on how that process has changed or evolved to meet the needs of a changing industry, that would be really interesting to me. Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to. The uh, drug testing industry has is starting to transition from instead of a five and a, uh, a ten panel to a four and a nine panel, excluding the THC. I've had a couple experiences with a couple of my customers who. Um, are hiring people that have the skills they need and they also advertise one of their advertising cues is that they drug test their their employees but their their employees have pop positive for for thc obviously users and so it creates an issue it slows the whole process down the legal flags go up for the people uh, issuing the, the, the test results and in reality these uh, two employers really needed the skills that that, that those uh, applicants had. And uh, so, you know, they said, geez, I, I wish, you know, we could have them pass the drug test and exclude the uh, the marijuana, the THC. So um, it's uh, the, the industry has evolved, and it's evolved in a good way, and both those customers are now transitioning to the, uh, the 4 and a 10 panel. Actually, the, they both use the 10 panel, so they're transitioning to the 9 panel. Um, just so they can say, yes, my employees are drug tested, but, you know, we're in the state of Colorado, it's legal, um, we're all good. So uh, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen that happen more than once. Awesome. And I think that's really encouraging for a lot of the job seekers out there, um, including a lot of Vangst candidates who have these professional skills, and they may just happen to be cannabis consumers when they're not at their job. And that's perfectly legal and acceptable. So I think it's really, really motivating and inspiring to hear that on a from a legal perspective that that's becoming more widely accepted as well. Another thing that's becoming a trend is a lot of the people who are looking for jobs are basically screening themselves. Um, they're coming to the table with a drug test, i.e. the nine panel, and saying, hey, you know, here this, this goes with my resume, and, um, you know, and, and employers are, are really liking it because, you know, it's, it kind of gives them some credibility up front. So the evolution of the four panel and nine panel has, has really been a, a positive thing. Right. Brings a whole new meaning to coming prepared to an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I know people bring headshots and business cards and resumes, but yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty well equipped. Um, well, 
Doug, let me ask you this. How much crossover do you see between uh, your law enforcement background and security issues um, and then the security issues that are inherent with the cannabis industry? It it seems like uh, your service might be uniquely poised to help certain types of company limit liability. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. Uh, having been an ATF agent for uh, 23 years, um, I enforced the um, firearms laws, and one of, one of the laws was – they called it the bodyguard law. And it was basically if I'm using a gun to protect somebody who's prohibited from carrying a gun, then we're all committing a felony. Um, that in conjunction with the fact that the cannabis industry uh, is an all-cash industry, it's all cash because not all 50 states have legalized marijuana at this point, and using credit cards is technically wire fraud. So it's an all-cash industry. And it's an industry that has a product that has a high value on the street. So you put those two things together, and you've got the potential for um, crime. Uh, in fact, I was a crime gun intelligence coordinator at the Denver Police Department Crime Lab for two years following my career with ATF. And uh, I was in charge of basically reading all the police reports where uh, a firearm was used and discharged and shell casings were recovered. Well, we started noticing that the, some of the um, cannabis dispensaries, or more than one, were started to be vandalized and broken into because, A, you had cash, B, you had product that has a high value on the street. So you combine that with the fact that it's the bodyguard law that I just uh, referenced to you, and it, it really would behoove the industry uh, to use prior law enforcement because they've got that perspective number one number two legally they know how to write the contract to protect the product and the cash versus the person and it's just semantics but god forbid that, it, that there is a security situation where a firearm does have to be used and it becomes a legal issue and it goes to court then you've got a somebody who's trained to carry and use a firearm and b somebody who wrote the contract right from the beginning so that there's no legal issues that uh impact that can impact negative negatively on the business and the income and the revenue and and i would imagine a court case revol uh, revolving around anything to do with firearms or security could potentially be massively costly and sticky and yep. sticky yeah okay absolutely so what is the you know if if i were gonna put you in front of you know a couple dozen of my clients what is the value prop that you would like to to sum up what would be your elevator pitch to ton of my top cannabis clients? I would say knowing that the cannabis industry right now is a race to the top. It's a race to the top. Who's, the ne who's going to be the Amazon of the can cannabis industry? You know, everybody's states are now legalizing it. It's um, everybody's got their own idea of how to run the business. Whoever runs their business the best is going to win. They're going to be the ones at the top. Having said that, if I were owning the business, I would want them to be screened. Number one. Number two, if I were to prevent criminal activity against my business, I'd want people that are trained. So um, that's kind of my pitch for why you should use somebody like me as, as this industry grows and develops a need for security. And, Excellent. And background screening. Well, we're, we're excited to see the industry flourish and to see professionals like you with, you know, such a rich background actually embrace what we're doing and, and see an opportunity for yourself at the table. We want to include you and, and we couldn't be more happy to have you with us and seed to sound today.
fantastic. I really appreciate the exposure. Thank you very much. Seed to Sound, presented by Vangst, a podcast for cannabis professionals. Produced by Hannah Holmgren and Catherine Jamiro. Music by Tyson Weigel. For more information, visit www.blog.vangst.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast, and of course, on PodConnects.